welcome to our podcast, Regulation Matters, A Clear Conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Lyne Dempsey. I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Recommending Associates Family Dentistry here in North Carolina, and I am the current chair of the National Certified Investigator Training Committee with CLEAR. For many of you, you may already know that CLEAR is the Council on Licensure, Enforcement, and Regulation, and it's an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. This podcast is your opportunity to hear about the latest and greatest uh, and current topics in our regulatory community. So today I'm joined by Caroline Miller with Tyler Technology and James Collins with Microsoft. We're very glad to have you with us today. Thanks so much for having us. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Lyon. It's great to be here back with CLEAR. Great. Well, we're really happy to have you guys with us. And um, also thank you to our listeners for joining us today. So the topic of today's conversation is IT and regulatory modernization. I know both of you have had you know, past experience with leading a regulatory organization. And Caroline, uh, if I'm correct, you were the Ontario College of Opticians uh, or with them um, as the registrar for a number of years. And, and James, you were the director of the Delaware Division of Professional Regulation, as well as other state government roles. So now you're both in the vendor community. So your combined perspective, I think, is a perfect um, perfect opportunity for us to cover today's topic. So let's start with the question. First, let's go with uh, with Caroline, and then we'll go to James after that. What is regulatory modernization? Thanks so much, Line. So that is a it's a terrific question, and what a, what a good place to start just to sort of define what we're talking about. I I know that. Certainly when I've had this conversation before, the answer that I want to give you is it depends on who you ask, but I will not leave it at that. Um, so I think there's a couple of things to consider when we think about regulatory modernization. Probably first and foremost, it's about streamlining regulatory processes and, and then sort of thinking about adapting to changing environments and operational needs. And there are two sort of different ways that we see regulatory modernization happening um, across the U.S. And, and, and for that matter, across the world. And, and the first way is sort of a, I'm going to call it a, a refresh. And so what I mean by that is sort of just, you know, most folks have a, a, a system that they're working with now for licensing and enforcement. And so it's sort of looking at that system and, and just giving it an update. Um, so sort of, you know, enhancing some performance, um, maybe changing some of the, the roles, changing some permissions, um, getting a, a, a new portal in place so that folks can use online, of course, given the current situation. Um, and so it's just sort of a, a refreshing and updating, and, and that is what we see quite often. The other thing that we are starting to see more is more in line with what I would call a transformation. So it's really thinking about creating a robust new business model and changing the way the organization thinks about managing its work. And that generally involves more of a wholesale system change. And, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit what I mean. So, you know, in, in back in the day, because I'm old and I'm going to date myself here, you know, I can remember sitting in my boardroom and my director of registration saying, you know, we need to get application renewals out by October 31st. And so the whole office would pitch in, we'd be folding paper and mailing them out to our license holders and then they'd sign them and send them back with a check and it, you know that was the the process and so sometimes i think that what we've done is we've taken our technology and we've built it 
using those paper systems. And, and that's just because that's what we knew, if that makes sense. And so I think that there are better ways to think about how we can uh, perform these tasks and, and they're a little bit more robust. And, and so if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I, I, I hearken back to those days as well where, you know, our big uh, IT uh, technology was uh, getting something that would actually trifold for us. So we, could, right. we would still have to stuff everything, but now we had a machine that would fold it for us. So I, I completely get that. Perfect. So oh, I'll stop man. there and I think probably James has some stuff to add to that conversation as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks, Caroline. And both of you guys have really triggered my regulatory PTSD here with paper renewals. Oh, my goodness. We <laughs> can never go back there. I just I remember Sorry. them being in bins on the floor like snow. Just, you know, we couldn't get them processed because people were calling, asking about the license. And it's like we had to make a choice. Do we want to answer the phone and answer the questions or do we want to uh, process the renewal. So, oh my goodness, I, you guys really took me back there. I really uh, appreciate Caroline's distinction between modernizing and transforming. You know, I'm just recently coming off of being the CIO for the state of Delaware. So I got a chance to work with a number of agencies in uh, kind of moving their systems forward, evolving their business practices. And there is this tendency, and so what I wanted to say to the members is try to avoid this tendency of let's recreate our old system in the new system. Um, because in the time, I mean, you usually only change those systems out every maybe 15 years, you know, and, and so business processes have changed, how people interact with your business has changed. The newer systems, I, I'm encouraging you to adopt some of the newer technologies. Uh, so, so I'm a fan of transform, as Caroline was saying, instead of uh, instead of modernize, because it's really gonna. And, and I'm encouraging you to do it from kind of the outside in. If we do it from the customer's perspective, then it causes us to think about like, what do consumers, what are what are customers. What are licensees looking for today? What are complainants looking for? What are board members looking for? We're kind of conditioned as people that we want to interact when we want to interact, whether it's on a weekend, whether it's at night, whether it's in the morning. We don't want to have to pick up the phone to call anybody. We don't want to have to come to a building. We would much more, we, we, we're fine with entering our own data. So, you know, you can shift that responsibility to us and you can get your people doing higher level work and so the newer systems allow you know for that online application entry that constant you know amazon prime like uh notifications we got your application we're processing it we need this before you can and it'll it'll actually reduce your calls because you're constantly communicating with the licensee so they don't have to call. So it'll benefit your customer experience and it will allow you to kind of reposition your employees to do higher level work. So the other one more point I want to make on that is just a reminder that, you know, regulatory agencies are just one aspect of a larger enterprise and citizens See it, see us all as, as government or the regulatory agencies, what we 
you know, fit into government. And government has to move to delivering services as an enterprise, not just as individual agencies. So I said that to say, if your state or uh, municipality organization has a kind of central site, a business site or something like that, then maybe focus on building your services into that site to make it easier for folks to get in touch with you. It'll increase compliance, it'll increase communication and customer satisfaction. That's a great perspective. So I guess, uh, keeping with you, James, I guess what would be the maybe the two or three most difficult steps, um, I guess, in the regulatory modernization process? Yeah, that, that's a good question because it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, you know, transformation. And uh, so you got to, you know, I always start where Franklin Covey said, start, you know, begin with the end in mind. So what is the agency's vision? You know, you got to know where we are now and, and, and where we want to be and then talk about, you know, how we're going to get there. And so, you know, funding is a component of that, getting buy-in from your team, getting buy-in from your, your regulatory board, uh, and getting buy-in from decision makers. So you got to create this vision, say this is where we are now, and this is where we want to be. Here's why we need to move to this new place, and here's what it's going to take for us to get there. And once you have that defined, it'll kind of feed into establishing your requirements. And I can't stress this enough, like take the time to engage with a business analyst and really re refine your requirements so that when you go to market for that transformational effort, you can, you're, you're only going to get uh, responses from partners that can actually help you, that can actually deliver on your requirements. And everybody knows going in, like, you know, this is our minimum viable uh, product. That we want to that we want to get to, and and it's just it's just it's just very clear. It saves a lot of heartache down the road if you take the time to define the requirements of what you want the new system. I would also say you know talk to other regulatory agencies that have already uh, done a transformational or or modernized, and understand kind of what their pain points were, what their lessons learned were, and build all of those things into into your your proposal. So I hope that's helpful. I'm sure Caroline has some things to add. I I do. I, I think so. Line, the question you asked was, what are the two or three most difficult steps in regulatory modernization? So my answer would be there are three things: the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, and I think that James really talked about <laughs> the, the the beginning, right? So yeah. so like 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 getting the the framework and the foundation and and building it you know on on the principles and and starting out and getting buy-in i think that that i would i would say that the the middle is also challenging you know it's very disruptive and i'm not sure that agencies that go into this uh, are aware of how disruptive it's going to be uh, it requires some significant change management skills um, and then 
sort of thinking about the end, which is also difficult, um, I think it requires some patience. You know, you're teaching um, people new skills, and I and I, I I think it's probably worth pointing out that we're talking about adults, right? And we're talking about adults learning new skills. And and the the thing that we know about um, adults and their learning, which is different than children, right? Children just absorb like a sponge. The, the first step for adults when they're learning something new is they need to unlearn the thing that they learned before, before they can add the new information, right? So, so when you think about agency staff, you think about the public and you think about license holders, you're asking them to really fundamentally change and the way they think about what they do and learn new skills. And so I think that that requires sort of that leadership through and through and that patience. So, it, you know, I think James said it's not for the faint of heart and I would just concur. Uh, well, even, don't even mind just, if I, go ahead, James. I was just going to just add to that one, you know, I was thinking about what Caroline said. I have so much to unlearn. So thank you for that, Caroline. One one tip that I would also say is we have to be careful if we if if we think about the teams that are doing a great job, especially you know during this unprecedented time of work and and remote meetings and remote processing and just what things that the pandemic has has caused to I'll use Caroline's term disrupt our work. If we're going to go into this type of effort, we can't ask that same team that is essentially already overwhelmed with the work that they're doing to also take on this project. So it's a large, significant initiative. And so when you're scoping it out, make sure you plan in some resources to augment your team. So they can they, they can help keep those daily processes going, and you can break away some of those subject matter experts to really focus on this this new effort. Where I've seen projects run run into trouble uh, is when they when they just take this large project and heave it on to already overburdened folks. That's great perspective too. So I guess uh, Caroline, uh, let me ask you this: when, when we we look at you know, regulatory modernization, that, that process itself, uh, where should, or I guess, where should we spend more of our time um, in, in that process? Sure, that's a that's a, a really good point. I, I, you know, it's all important. So like everything in regulation, everything is important. Um, I, I do think that probably for me some some lesson learned just sort of picking up on on what james is talking about the the lesson for me is you know solving the problem without creating more problems or different problems or worse problems <laughs> so yeah. coming from experience right so so i i think you you, you need to walk through all of the steps that are going to happen and, and be able to at least anticipate them. I, I, I spoke with one of our um, solution delivery architects at Tyler, uh, Guy Choquet, um, and, and sort of I asked him, you know, he works with all our clients and, and get, goes through the, all of these steps. And I sort of asked him the question, like, what, what, it, what are some of the challenges that you found? And, and he came back to me and he said, you know, the most important thing is establishing a communication plan. 
Um, and uh, I mean, I think that that goes without saying for everything you do, but in particular, um, in this sort of world, the communication plan and, and the, the second thing that he just built off of that was establishing common nomenclature. And, and I can certainly say that coming from the regulatory world and now coming into the vendor uh, technology community, there is a bit of a language um, barrier between sort of what um, software companies think, for example, case management is and what regulatory agencies think case management is. And so just sort of getting really clear about the language and getting clear about the communication plan, I think is probably where I would spend most of the time. And just the, the last thought from our, our solution architect um, is he calls it, and here's a good example, he calls it a traceability matrix. <laughs> I would call that a needs assessment, um, but sort of walking through the, the question is, um, the, what do you think you need um, and what do you actually need? <laughs> and so, you know, Guy says that sometimes the agency will put out these requirements and say, I have to have this or I have to have that. And, and through this conversation, they'll actually discover one of two things. Uh, they don't actually need it or they think that it's a technology requirement when it's actually better served by a change in business practice, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. James, and, your thoughts? Or, 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 I'm sorry, if you've got, Caroline, you've got more? No, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, James, your thoughts. <laughs> so you took away <laughs> one of my thoughts. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna, I agree with everything that that, uh, that Caroline said. Like, really important the communication plan. Um, all of those building blocks are really important. I'm gonna kind of harken back to you know building the case. I really think it's important to spend some time building the case, doing that initial due diligence. Um, maybe you put out depending on what the what your procurement requirements are but i would say make sure you spend time in you know i, I heard somebody say one time if you're going to the taller a building is the deeper the foundation has to be and so i would really make sure we spend time on on the foundation of this modernization depending on what your procurement requirements are maybe you do a request for information a, a rfi where you get vendors that are in the space to come in and show you, you know, what modern technology is available um, at, at this point, because you could have been in your current system for over a decade. I would also, you know, maybe bring in folks that have process training, like lean folks and things to just really look at your processes because it really, to take, you know, 10, 15 year old processes and build them into uh, newer technology, um, you're gonna end up with a modernization instead of a, a transformation. And in, in many instances, it makes it where you have to customize, you buy this product because it's great, or this system because it's great, and then you have to heavily customize it to get it to your old processes. So I would take some time looking at at processes, and uh, this is all a part of that foundation. And then you, you're you're building the story, you're building the vision, because you're going to have to take that to your board, you're going to have to take it to your finance people, and, and 
kind of explain to them, you know, why this is important, like we said earlier. So I would definitely make sure I spend time there, spend time talking with the team and, and getting them. I think Caroline mentioned this earlier, you know, the, the, the organizational change aspects of it, kind of talk to them about this journey we're about to take, how it's going to impact them, how we need them, their expertise, and getting them uh, on board and, and making it something that you're all doing and not just something that's happening happening to them. So I would definitely make sure that we spend time uh, there so that, you know, when we start on this journey, we're, we're on it together and we're all kind of pulling, pulling in the same direction. So that's an area to definitely uh, spend some time. Can I just add one quick thing to that, um, James? My my boss says to me all the time, the first conversation you have to have is what is possible, um, because you're probably locked into some old thinking or some standardized way of doing something, and and you you need to be able to sort of open up to thinking about what is possible. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So I guess let's let's finish up um, maybe with some examples of some modernization transformation projects that maybe both of you have, have worked on. James, let's start with you, and then Caroline, if you'll we'll follow after him. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. I've had a, a chance to work on uh, a number of projects across the state of Delaware, and now at Microsoft, I get to, to work on projects uh, nationally. And uh, I can talk very specifically about a regulatory project that I got a chance to work on uh, in the state of Delaware. I remember back, like we started this conversation talking about, you know, paper renewals coming in and we didn't even mention all of the continuing education documents and proof and all of those things coming in. And uh, I remember uh, becoming the uh, director of professional regulation. They never let me in that uh, building before, you know, doing the interview process and everything. And I, I understand why, because when I did finally take the job and start it, I went in and it looked like the place that file cabinets go to die. It was just this hodgepodge of file cabinets, wall to wall, all over the place. It's, I mean, we were up to our eyeballs in, uh, in paper. And so we started on a journey to, to modernize. And we picked renewals first because that that was the thing that was the heaviest burden on the organization. And I remember putting those online and probably most agencies today have their renewals uh, online, but it, it just was a major shift for our customers and, and people were concerned that we're going to have this big, you know, uh, a lot of pushback from customers that they're not going to want to do it. There was a relatively small amount of uh, of people that, complained about the process. We did kind of keep a, a, a opportunity for, for a couple years, we did keep an opportunity for people to use the old um, process. But once we got above 90% adoption, we eliminated that and made computers available, things like that. So it, it radically changed the way uh, that we did business. And then we were able to move into kind of scanning documents and now that uh, Delaware has just finished modernizing their system where they pushed out their application, they pushed out their complaint process uh, online and it's just like you can have full self-service in their virtual uh, storefront if you will uh, and, and it's just it's a game changer right it changes the work 
that their staff is now doing. They're able to kind of focus on the exceptions as, uh, that are coming through the process and, and the ones that take the happy path just kind of go through and people get their licenses uh, a lot faster. And I think that's the thing that we really try to focus on in these, these modernizations that there are people's lives on the under, other end of these uh, applications that we're getting, these renewals that we're getting, these licenses, these uh, investigations. Uh, you know, they're literally people's lives. People can't work um, when, without the work that we do, and the public can't be safe without the, the work that regulatory agencies do. So the work is important. It certainly needs to happen. I used to always say to my team, uh, you are that somebody that everybody thinks is checking on these things. Like everybody thinks somebody is like making sure that this guy is a real doctor or um, an accountant or this, this lady's a real architect. Somebody's doing that. And I say, you are that somebody. So the work is important, but also we have to be as efficient as possible to get people to work. We've got, you know, just right now in our nation i mean we need every healthcare worker you know getting vaccines out uh in to try to uh ebb this the pandemic and so if people are having a hard time getting through the regulatory agency uh, you can see the impact that that would have so uh, so that's some of the effects of the modernizations uh, that i've seen and and i think the next evolution is you're going to start to see um the national, there's an organization called the National Association of State CIOs um, that is a, a similar to CLEAR, it's a, a, but it's a collection of state CIOs. And they do a survey every year and say, what are the top 10 things that CIOs are focused on? And I've watched over the last five to six years, digital government or the citizen experience has now risen. I think it was like number seven. Now it's number two on that list. But I think you're going to start to see states and organizations, uh, governments basically deliver citizen services as an enterprise as opposed to individual agencies. So I think that's the next evolution where you're going to have this front end where the, the uh, customers, the citizens, the residents can uh, enter their information once and it will talk to all of these back-end systems, including regulatory agencies. So I think we're going to see that type of modernization going forward. Line, do you want me to jump in and respond to the same question? Yeah, that would be okay. great, please. Yeah, so Sure. And so if I could just pause for a second and point out the, the organization that James was just talking about, Nazio, um, he is a past president. Of course, he won't tell you that, um, but, but he, he played a very big role in, in some of the changes that he's talking about. Um, so from, from my, uh, from my perspective, we're, uh, we're seeing a couple of different things. And I think that, um, the, the refresh that I was talking about earlier, I, I would, I would, uh, guess that it's in large part because of, um, COVID-19. So I've got a couple of, of instances, one in Alabama and one in Louisiana, where uh, in Alabama, they're talking about sort of moving away from a paper-based uh, regulatory agency onto into an online portal. You know, they, they just, they can't have people coming into their office. They can't be 
processing paper. They they need to be able to have the public file a complaint online. They, they right now they require a signature. So so um, I think that 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 refresh piece is is at least from what I'm seeing is in large part because of the um, the current global health crisis. Right. So so it's out of necessity. Uh, in Louisiana, we're seeing some. Uh, also sort of moving away from paper-based, but also uh, uh, some interest in um, mobile applications for inspectors and investigators, right? They're having the same sort of um, issue where they can't go into the office or, you know, they're, they're using paper and it's inefficient. So I, I think there's the, that refresh piece is in large part, uh, you know, sort of come out of the, the current events. But in terms of the transformation, uh, I don't think that that's as much of a driver. We're we're seeing, um, I've got two things that I think sort of off the top of my head, New York and Pennsylvania, looking at really streamlining. And that's back to that wholesale, the changing the way we do business in, in large part, what James was just talking about, you know, I call it workforce optimization. So pushing out the data entry to the citizens or the license holders um, and, and enabling and empowering uh, those, those staff at regulatory agencies to be dealing with those higher order things like policy and, and development and, and that, the, those kinds of things, but also, we're seeing some some desire to streamline, um, and I think this is also what James was talking about. For example, we've got multiple agencies who have disparate systems, and the data doesn't talk to each other, um, but it needs to in order to get through the approval steps for whatever the the license is, right? And so, so the streamlining and the workforce optimization as part of that wholesale transformation in some of these bigger agencies. And then the the smaller refresh pieces because of COVID. Caroline, those were all great points, and they were so good that you actually stirred up a, a few other thoughts as we as we think about examples of what the regulatory process needs to look like in the future, and some of the things that we can anticipate. Um, some of the things that I'm hearing, and you're probably already seeing in many instances, is agencies are changing their laws around uh, licensing where they don't have to issue a paper credential. They're issuing digital uh, credentials. They're basically setting up where their website is the source of truth. So uh, it's really important that that data is easily accessible uh, on the website so folks can have real-time lookup of, of licensees. Um, you're seeing uh, where organizations like Healthcare uh, institutions are getting, uh, and, and others are getting real-time notifications from regulatory agencies on changes in licensure status. Uh, I think in the future we're going to see more um, digital credential verification with educational and training uh, institutions, which will also expedite. So it's really important that you have a modern system that can handle all of those interfaces to, to expedite the licensing process. And lastly, and I think Carol, Caroline, you started to go down this path, is how do we use data uh, to be more efficient? And so once you go down this path of trans transformation, it will position you to use data as a strategic asset, which could, feed, could start to feed, and remember we talked about the enterprise approach, it could start to feed into workforce, development uh, in your, within your government. It could start to help um, with uh, 
identifying needs um, to projecting needs uh, in your community. And so there's just so much that can, can happen here um, when we get on this path of transformation. So I appreciate you guys kind of letting me kind of just think about the future for a little bit as it relates to uh, transformation in the regulatory space. Hope that's helpful. Absolutely. You know, I think this has been a great discussion. So, uh, you know, again, thank you, Caroline and James, uh, for your time and, and being a part of this clear podcast. You know, it's, it's wonderful to have the perspective on this topic coming from both, you know, a regulatory and IT experience. So, so thank you guys both for being with us today. Absolutely. A pleasure to, be here. to do it anytime. Perfect. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a clear conversation very soon. If you're new to the Clear Podcast, please subscribe to us. We're available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn. And we're newly available on Alexa for Amazon Echo devices, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and now Pandora. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or comment in the app. Your reviews help us to improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free to visit our website as well at www.clearhq.org for additional resources, along with a calendar of upcoming online programs and events. Finally, I want to thank our CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. She is our content coordinator and editor for this program. Uh, once again, I'm Lyne Dempsey, and I hope to be speaking to you again very soon.